We're here with the second special podcast that we are producing uh, since our new pulpit minister, Matthew Ballantyne, has arrived. And so today we want to sit down with him and just kind of catch up with him and see how things have been going, uh, seeing how he has settled into the uh, Haleville community and just what his impressions are so far. As I told you last time, my name is Neil Cook. I work with the social media at Ninth Avenue, and at this time, I again want to welcome our pulpit minister, Matthew Ballantyne. Thank you, Neil. It is, it is good to be here. It is good to uh, to not be as fresh as last time. Uh, not that the new has worn off at all, uh, but it is it is nice to be a little more familiar with the game plan today as opposed to five or six weeks ago. When we talked the last time, I think that was on a Thursday night, and you and your family had just arrived two nights before on Tuesday night, so you've had a little more time to get settled in, so if you will just kind of give us uh, a progress report on uh, how you've been able to settle in uh, to your house and and to Haleville uh, in general. Well, I think the word settled in at this point for us is kind of a fluid word. Um, We... uh, we have the majority of our stuff unpacked, which is not the same as having everything where it needs to go. But we have, uh, you know, we, we were so blessed, and I think I mentioned this last time, we were so blessed when we moved in to have such an amazing group of people work so hard to, you know, help us on this end, get so many things ready. And, and moving in was a very easy experience compared to some of the times that we've had um, but we are getting settled in. Everybody's uh, is slowly finding their their routine and their space at, at home. One of the funny things, and Blair and I have talked about this a little bit, is the house that we moved from. Uh, our oldest two had to share a bedroom, and you know we're very fortunate at this house. So uh, until the new baby gets here, everybody, all the kids have their own room. But what they have done over the last probably three weeks is they were really excited about having their own room to start with and now they've all every night they uh gradually find their way into Britain's room which is the biggest room and they're all sleeping together so it's like they're excited to have their own space but they still want that comfort of all being together and uh and and that's good you know that that makes me feel good about the way my kids feel about each other but uh we have had to make a one additional trip back up to east tennessee and pick up a few things and and come back and so we are we are everything is here and settled in maybe after the baby gets here we can say we're settled in well that's good i know moves are never fun experiences and it always takes you some time to uh, to get everything settled in. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when I was growing up, there was a period of time for four years, each year we moved. And at one point, I remember looking at one of the boxes some things were in and just noticing all the different moving company stickers uh, <laughs> on, each uh, box. On, that, on that box. Yeah. Uh, but we're glad that you're here and, and we're glad that things are, are going well. And since you've had a chance to look over um, Haleville, uh, which doesn't take a long time to look over, 
uh, is, is there anything that you consider that, like the most surprising thing that about Haleville so far? The most surprising thing. Well, when I was doing my own kind of recon, if you will, for the job, um, I've got several friends in, in the North Alabama area that I was able to call and pick their brains about uh, the church and about the community. And, I mean, one of the things, the, the word that kept coming up was small. Haleville is small. Haleville is small. Um, but what you learn about a small town is uh, there's usually a lot of cool things hidden in a small town. Uh, there's always more there than you would think. I have... Uh, the thing that has surprised me the most, though, about Haleville, this has nothing to do with the size, per se, is this may be the friendliest town I have ever lived in. Everywhere we go, from the school systems to Walmart to the grocery stores to the restaurants... Everybody we've run into has just been genuinely a friendly person. And that is a very refreshing environment to be in. Not that other places I've been, I haven't been nice and friendly, but on, on the scale of where's the friendliest place I've ever lived, at least this point into it, Haleville has been just the most friendly place. And, and that has been a pleasant surprise. I'm sure it's been a mixture of situations, but is it just people because they're meeting you as the new preacher in town, or is it just they're friendly because you're a strange face? And you know, uh, obviously, whether it should be or not, you know, when when uh, when when you're the new, you know, when you're a new minister in town, people are are excited to meet you. And some of those situations, I think that has attributed to it, but. I mean, I think it's just, I think it's just the nature of the community, really. And, uh, that's, that has been a very pleasant thing to, to deal with from our neighbors to, to just everybody we've run into. You mentioned your kids adjusting to the house and to their, to their bedrooms. Uh, how have they adjusted to living here in Haleville and in particular with the new school system that they're in now? Uh, the kids, I mean, obviously, anytime you move, there's going to be a period of adjustment. Um, but uh, I, I believe my kids are showing a lot of resilience. The um, The school system here has been just wonderful to work with as, as far as that transition goes. I know that uh, the, the elementary school counselor had taken some time in those first couple of weeks to really just... I mean, she made it kind of her mission to make sure they were adjusting well and checking in on them on a nearly a daily basis during those first initial weeks. We had had a chance to talk with her, and I really appreciated her assistance and and willingness to do that. Um, you know, Vance just he just doesn't like school, regardless of where he is. Um, but he has really enjoyed uh, his teacher. Uh, Miss Oliver, she has been wonderful uh, in this transition process. Collins is a very outgoing and friendly person. And so I think in that way it makes the transition easier because she just naturally makes friends and wants to be in new places. So all in all, they have they have done really well. Now, Britton, our, our youngest, our two-year-old, there for the first three weeks. But every other night she'd come in and she'd be like, I want to go home. And so, you know, it was actually a little more challenging with her than the other two. 
And so, but all in all, they have, they have really shown a resilience in this transition. I've been very proud of them. One of the advantages you have here at Ninth Avenue, as far as your kids in school, as you know, we have a lot of our members yes. who are associated with the school system, yes. work there and so forth. So there's probably not too much time uh, that the kids are at school that at least one pair of eyes from Ninth Avenue mm-hmm. is not looking at them. Yes, and and that helps. I mean, when they're not just seeing those faces at church, they're seeing them at school and and they recognize those connections, and those are always very important. Very important. We talked about the uh, the kids uh, in vitro, but uh, there's one of your children that's uh, not arrived yet. And uh, you mentioned uh, your upcoming child last time we talked. Tell us about the uh, status of, of Blair's pregnancy, uh, the upcoming birth of your child, or how are things going? I, I know you mentioned uh, to us uh, recently uh, that Matt, uh, Blair was having some issues, but just kind of fill us in on, on her health and, and the progress of her pregnancy. Well, all in all, the pregnancy is going, going very well, just one day at a time. She has, Blair has had uh, some blood pressure issues that the doctors are are monitoring and watching and that we're watching at home on on kind of a regular schedule, but... Um, it's looking like, you know, around December the 17th, uh, baby Valentine number four will, um, will make its arrival. One of the things that my mother-in-law mentioned the other day, she said, uh, she said, y'all just kind of live in life. Like you're not expecting to have this kid. Like, and I've come to realize that by the time you get to that third or fourth child, that first one, you're all, everything's about this child that's coming, this child that's coming. We're at the point to where. Okay, we'll worry about this child when it gets here. And we've got so much other stuff to deal with day in and day out. But the pregnancy is, is for the most part, coming along in a positive way. And probably before Christmas, we'll, uh, we'll have a, a new baby not running around, but carrying it around and which will, which would be a wonderful Christmas present to, to come home a few days before Christmas with a new baby. That's, uh, that's something we're really looking forward to. Are the other children, are they excited about getting a new baby sister? They are. They are. I don't think Britton understands the uh, the change that's going to come in her world. But I know she will adjust. But yes, the uh, the other two, especially the big two, they are very excited about the addition of their baby sister. Let's focus a little bit more um, toward Ninth Avenue itself. You've been here a month now. Uh, what is your general uh, one-month impression um, of Ninth Avenue? Um, well, I guess one of my first impressions is it's a group of people that, that genuinely love God. Uh, they genuinely love His church and what it stands for. It is a... Um, a congregation, I think, that takes pride in, in standing uh, on the Word of God and letting it be our God and our focus. And, you know, you that kind of environment is, is so important because that's where it starts. When you've got a group of people, uh, number one, love each other, 
they love the Word of God, um, and they love the church, you can you can work with that. That's that's the start of a successful formula. I look at Ninth Avenue and I see I see a church with a lot of potential. Uh, I see a church that um, is full of people who have great gifts and and many gifts. And we just maybe we just need to focus them in all maybe in all the same direction and uh, a little bit more. But but uh, definitely and and this has been even from from the beginning uh, before we moved. I mean, just a loving church, just a loving church family, and and that is that has been such a great thing uh, to just be a part of already day in and day out. I guess it's kind of like a relay team on in track they all have the same goal. They know where the finish mm-hmm. line is, uh, but they still can encourage each other and the coach can encourage them to run a little faster, mm-hmm. uh, go a little faster, get a little stronger uh, in order to get to uh, that goal uh, a little faster. Absolutely. But it definitely helps that, you know, the people have the same goal and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it makes it easier. I'm sure from your perspective to help people get to, uh, that place. You've been working with uh, our youth minister Tyler Hallman now for uh, a month. I know you mentioned him during our last podcast. Uh, tell us how it's been working with Tyler so far. Tyler is just a solid guy. Um, I don't. I don't. I, I, I couldn't name many more people that I've worked with and been associated with in ministry that are just. At their core, just as good of a person as Tyler is. Um, Tyler has a great heart for service. He has a great heart for God. He loves young people. Uh, he loves this church. Uh, and and not just Tyler, Emma Ann as well. I mean, they they live and breathe Ninth Avenue and in so many different ways. And it has been it has been a fun transition. Um, in the, in the aspect of just sitting down with Tyler and talking to him about, you know, his goals, his plans, his ideas, sharing my goals and plans, and then trying to create a, a common direction to, to kind of put forth. And, and that's what Tyler and I are kind of working on right now is, is we're working on, um, kind of the big picture, uh, of looking down the road, say five years, what what do we think the Ninth Avenue Church can be? And then once we kind of paint that picture, we're going to, you know, kind of in, in progress steps back it up uh, into some smaller goals. Uh, but it has been, it's been a lot of fun just talking about ministry with Tyler. He has such a great feel, uh, such a great understanding of it. Um, he has such an understanding of this community. And of course, that comes from you know being born and raised here, that you usually don't get out of a, you know, a, a partner in ministry because usually, usually you and the other ministers are not from that town. You're brought in from the outside. Tyler is not from the outside at all. He he is Haleville through and through, and that makes a huge difference and gives us uh, as a team, I think, a great great advantage into ministering to this church and to this community. You mentioned the, the words uh, partner and team. 
how important is it for the pulpit minister and the youth minister to work together as a team? I think it's vital. I don't think I don't think you can look at your roles as completely separate. I know some people kind of do and think that way, um, but we have there again we have the same mission. We're kind of tasked a little bit different, but if we're not on the same page and we're not working from the same playbook, you could say, um, he's going to have his ministries running in one direction. I'm going to have my, my ministries and thoughts running in another. And, you know, it, it's almost going to be running in vain because we're not going to be moving in a cohesive direction. And so I think working together as a team, figuring out what our big goals are, and then figuring out in our own individual ministries how to best facilitate those to the people we are individually working with is so important. When we talked last time, I asked you about your plans and vision for Ninth Avenue. And today you've alluded to goals and missions. Now that you've been here a month... Is there any uh, change in those plans and, and vision that you had a month ago that uh, you want to share with us today? You know, I, I think we talked about it in our first conversation together. Those that have been with us over the last few weeks and, and have heard my first few sermons, you know, discipleship is such a, a big part of, of my ministry concept. Uh, that has not changed. That is something that I'm still very uh, focused on bringing uh, to the Ninth Avenue Church family. Um, I've, I've even just in our short time here, I've already kind of begun to formulate some directions and plans that I've got to sit down and have some conversations with people um, to kind of get those things more fleshed out. But I think all in all, right now, my goal, and I think uh, this is to the benefit of everybody, is I'm, I'm just trying to listen to people. I'm just trying to listen and trying to hear what they're saying. I am hearing some great things. I'm hearing some great ideas. Uh, one of the things that I was talking to one of our men about the other night was just the opportunity of, of getting our men together and doing things with each other. Just uh, that word fellowship, just fellowshipping with each other. Um, you know, last, last night, uh, for us, last night is Saturday night of the Alabama LSU game. We got a bunch of guys together and just watched football. Um, obviously as an Alabama fan, that game didn't turn out the way, the way I would have desired it to. But in that, with that group, the game was secondary. I mean, we, we were there because the game was on, but we were there to spend time with each other. And that's exactly what we did. And that is kind of, I guess, the first thing that I'm really going to put some focus on in the coming months is just getting our men together and just letting them spend time together. I already get the impression that our women are great with that, so that doesn't, I don't need to mess with that at all. Um, and I'm sure if I tried to mess with it, I'd be told to not mess with it. So uh, we're, we're just going to try to replicate that with our men, and that's really, um, I guess, maybe step one in this process of, of of moving together as a family. I know when I made the announcements this morning, there were, I believe, three announcements just for the women. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I thought about that. Uh, 
and I think it's great, like you, that they get together and fellowship. I mean, enjoy each other's company and, and get to know each other as mm-hmm. people, um, as individuals, um, and develop a love for each other. And as you said, since you, you've been here and the sermons you've preached, you, you've talked about uh, that aspect of the of Christianity, the fellowship and, and community. I want to ask you, uh, talk about that just a little bit. Uh, you mentioned the word fellowship. Can you define fellowship? Um, yeah, I think fellowship is maybe the... Um the easiest way to define it is opportunities to develop intimate relationships. Uh, you, you look through scripture and uh, you, you see that word pop up from time to time. And uh, I think a lot of times we use the word fellowship very loosely, but uh, I believe it is an environment that is created to where your relationships with one another go from just kind of acquaintances to intimate relationships to where you you know you can look at a, a brother in Christ and you know him well enough that just by the way he walks into the auditorium on a Sunday morning you can tell if he's had a hard week or not um, and so it's it's really just a uh, a fancy word if you will for just developing deep intimate really knowing you relationships I guess it would be great, and it probably would never get to to that point. But as you know, once you've been married to a person for a while, uh, you can be having a problem and try to put on the the bravest face you can. Mm-hmm. But you go walking in, and your spouse sees you, and they immediately say, "What's wrong? I can tell something's wrong." Yeah. And uh, like I said, you're not going to get into that much of an intimate relationship with. Uh, your fellow church members, but it would be great, as you say, to be able to know somebody enough to just be able to look at them and be able to tell, hey, you've got a problem. Yeah. You, you may not be telling me about it, but I can see it. Well, and you know, and you're not going to have that relationship with every person in the congregation. It's going to be a small handful of people you have that relationship with, but those fellowship relationships are vital to to having a healthy church. And having a healthy relationship with God as well. So, Another word related to fellowship that you've talked about quite a bit so far is the word community. Mm-hmm. Now, tell us what you mean by community. Well, you know, community is, is, is a, a very generic word in a lot of ways. But when you think about it in a Christian sense, I think of it just, just as a group of people with a common goal with a common mission. Um, and so you, you've got to have, um, you've got to have that, that bond within your, your, your church family. Um, you, you've got to have that direction. You've got to have, uh, that fellowship all those things tie into this idea of community. Uh, you know, your community is the group of people that, you know, when you're struggling, you want to lean on. Your community is your group of people that when you have successful things that are happening, that you want to celebrate with. 
Um, so they're, they're really the people that you're just kind of living life with, um, and, and celebrating the ups and downs of life with. But, uh, you know, a lot of churches don't have that. A lot of churches, uh, the extent uh, of their community, if you will, is just a people, just a group of people that they set with on a Sunday morning. Um, it's not people that they really live a life with. Um, and when I think of community, I really think of that just living life with other people. So does community require fellowship? Does does fellowship lead to community? It's kind of one of those, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? You know, um, I think in, in the idea of church growth, you have to create opportunities for people to fellowship, for those relationships to begin to develop. And as those relationships develop, then community develops. But fellowship is always a vital part of community you can't have community without true fellowship and eventually you can't have true fellowship without real community um so i think it all ties in together and it may just be uh, to some degree both those words may really kind of come down to the same meaning the same thing in a lot of ways it's something I think they both also have in common and both require is love. Absolutely. In the context of fellowship and community, how would you define love? I think within the context of fellowship and community, dealing with your brothers and sisters, love equals acceptance despite our flaws. Now, that's not... I, I don't want that to be misconstrued with, hey, just come on in. It doesn't matter what you do. We're just going to love you and accept you for who you are and keep living your life the way you want to live it. Um, I, I don't feel that way at all because I think part of love is, number one, is I accept you for who you are and where you are. But I also love you enough and, and have enough compassion for you that I want to help you grow from where you are into something more. But I think at the core of love is simply just accepting people for where they are in life. Um, I think maybe we've gotten tied up in, in the wrong direction sometimes of of demanding too much change from people too fast and not just appreciating maybe some of the smaller steps in their journey and celebrating some smaller steps in their journey. I know that uh, I've been places before where you can take, a, a, you know, a, a group of Christians, say a young adult group of Christians, and you may have a guy that's, you know, a lifelong church member and a guy that uh, has been there for six months. And love is understanding that the guy that's been there their whole life is going to be probably more mature as a Christian, more grounded as a Christian. And the guy that's been there six months He's going to be in a different place in his journey. And, and you have to accept that and help him grow from there. And uh, with love, there's nothing we can't accomplish. Shifting gears uh, to today's sermon that you uh, delivered this morning uh, has not been posted yet on our podcast. And I think I told you before we started recording there were some issues with the audio, some technical issues. So I'm not sure how 
well it's going to come across people will be able to hear it but you talked about the uh, account of uh, Zacchaeus mm -hmm. uh, found in, in Luke chapter 19 and you talked about three characters in that uh, account uh, Zacchaeus and Jesus and, and a third uh, character uh, I'll have you to mention so just if you will uh, since that podcast may not be up to par as far as audio quality give us a little synopsis of, of your lesson this morning and and the point you were trying to make well so i i, I took the book or the story there of zacchaeus and and as i said this morning and i'll try not to preach another 30 minute lesson here it's hard for me to do sometimes um you know we, we have these great Bible stories that we're so familiar with and sometimes it's easy to miss those great those great lessons because we are so familiar with them. But we talked about, obviously, the first character in Zacchaeus, uh, looking at it from the idea that like Zacchaeus, spiritually, we're never going to measure up on our own and we're always going to be searching for something to fulfill us. Even though Zacchaeus was wealthy and had all the things his heart desired physically um, and, and financially, you know, he was still running to look for Jesus. And, you know, the second character there is Jesus, and that is, um, you know, such a loving Savior in that moment for this young man uh, of Zacchaeus. And, you know, we, we talked about the idea that, you know, Jesus just loves you where you are and tries to love you forward from there. He, he's not as concerned about the baggage you bring uh, as much as he is the growth that you can produce and the fruit you can produce in your life, and he sees us as who we can become. Uh, but my favorite part of that story is the third character, uh, which isn't a, a person, and when we think of characters, we think of persons a lot of time, people. Uh, but to me, the third character, maybe the most important character in the story, is, is the tree, uh, the sycamore tree that's there that we all sing about and we all read about. And, and that tree had one purpose, and that was to simply hold up Zacchaeus so that he can see Jesus. Uh, we like to have a little bit of a Jesus complex sometimes of thinking we can fix everything. Uh, I've struggled with that in, in my life at times that I can just fix anything and uh, just give me your problem and I'll solve it. That That's Jesus' job. Jesus solves problems. Uh, we tend to mess problems up and maybe even make them worse as we try to solve them sometimes. But sometimes our our role in life is simply to just lift others up so that they can see their Savior. And if we do that, uh, that, that that's that's an accomplished life. That's that's living a life of a disciple. As we come to the end of our discussion today, are there any other uh, thoughts or or comments you want to share? You know, I, I just want to say number one to our our members at Ninth Avenue. Thank you so much for just welcoming our family as family. I mean, already. And that, that means so much. Um, secondly, I'm excited about what's coming down the road. Uh, we, we've got some, some ideas that are, that are being thrown around, some things that uh, around the first of the year we're going to be announcing. It is, um, there, there are great things ahead. I know that uh, Ninth Avenue went through a a long preacher search. I know that they have felt like a church in transition for for some time now. Um, but but I, I would like to think that the time of transition 
has ended and, and the time of blessings are upon us. And and I, I look to God to to bless us in some pretty major ways in our future because we're going to be working, we're going to be serving Him, and we're going to be putting ourselves in a position to be blessed. And and, and I just look forward to the journey. Uh, I'm very excited about it. Well, as I told you last time, I'm also excited. And a month in, I'm, I'm still excited uh, with what I've seen so far and, and what I envision uh, that's ahead. I again want to thank you for being with us today and for sharing your thoughts with us. And we want to encourage any of you listening to join us in person. Every Sunday morning, we gather together at 9.30 for our Bible classes. And then at 10.30, we gather in the auditorium for our worship service. We come back again on Sunday night at 6 o'clock for another worship service and have Bible classes at 6.30 on Wednesday. So any of you who would like to come in and meet Matthew, meet him in person, um, especially maybe some of our members who uh, have not been with us for a while, uh, we'd like for you, you to come back and be part of the fellowship and community uh, here at Ninth Avenue. And you can do that by joining us uh, here at our location at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleville. In the meantime, you can visit with us on Facebook, uh, keep up with what's going on, and uh, we certainly would love to have you to uh, just be part of uh, our community. As our slogan says, we're a church of Christ, caring for its community, and we do care for each of you. I mean, we certainly have our prayer to be uh, that God will richly bless you.